I turn your attention to the book of John tonight. I want to call these key witnesses to go ahead and come to the platform. John chapter 11. And the 39th verse is where I'll draw your attention. If God will help us tonight, I won't preach very long and I won't have to. How many know that one moment in his presence, when he walks in the room, everything changes? Amen. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, speaking of Lazarus, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. For he hath been dead four days. We know this story. We understand the pain that it must have been to Martha when Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Her and Mary never wanted him to die in the first place. But Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. And verse 40 says, Said I not unto thee, if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast said. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, loose him, and let him go. Loose him and let him go. And from that final portion of verse 44, I would preach to you on this Sunday night for just a little while. Loose him and let him go. Would you pray with me in this house tonight? God, we believe that you and you alone are able to do the works that so many are in need of in this house. It is our goal tonight to simply give praise to you. I'm asking that you would help us in this place. I have not come with a polished message nor the eloquence of men's wisdom or words, but I have come in anticipation of the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost, believing that you are going to continue to strengthen your people edify your body and let your name be exalted these are god's people in god's house at the appointed time help us to exalt your name together in jesus name and everybody said loose him and let him go and you may be seated here tonight
It is a famous of the narratives, as it were, this of Lazarus being the friend of Christ. It is the message that I have thoroughly enjoyed preaching personally. It is one that I have exhausted, it seems, in preaching over the years. In fact, it was just a year or so ago that I stood and preached it in this very pulpit, but not what I plan to preach here tonight. It's an amazing thing, Brother Turner, the layers of the text. It's extravagant, actually, the way that the text is layered. A great mental picture for us would be like the layers of an onion. You know, the more you peel it, the more it makes you cry. It's just, it's just amazing what is hidden in there if you will take the time. Now, you can't listen to it on your Bible app at two times speed and expect to <laughs> completely juice everything that's in there. Somebody asked me about preaching one time. Brother Mack, I said, I like to treat the narrative as though I'm there. I like to walk in and sit down. This is one of those stories I feel at times as though I have had the soil under my feet and I have had the sandiness of the surface that has even got upon my ankles as I stood and was a partaker in the story. I've watched. I saw the dusty tears stream down Mary's face. I saw the interaction between the sisters. I, I've tried to listen in. I saw the the, 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 the tears that had been matted in the hair that was strewn across Martha's face. I, I heard that little bit of, uh, of confusion and frustration in her voice when she tells Christ, if you would have been here. And I, I felt that. I've been a part of this story. Sister Collins, multiple times I feel as though I have tiptoed back into the narrative and tried to revisit the individuals of this story because it is so critically important important to us. It's important to us because it was important to Christ. And anything that is important to the Lord Jesus Christ should be important to us. It was important to Christ to let Lazarus have a testimony. It was important to Jesus not to bypass the miracle to make a couple sisters happy. He was not considered about their temporary happiness. He was concerned that there would be glory manifest through this scenario. And he could have ended and brought the miracle first. And Lazarus could have had a good testimony by simply recovering from a dire sickness. We would still read. We would still preach. But it wouldn't preach as good. <laughs> I would still preach about Lazarus recovering from a bad cough or from a terrible fever. I would still preach it, but I would not preach quite as good. And it might not get the notoriety. But when someone dies, and then the sisters are mad because he was not just any man, but he was the friend of Jesus. They played the friend card. You ever have anybody play the friend card on you? Come into some money. You'll find out how many friends you got. And Jesus had something better than money. He had the power to heal. And when they came to Christ, they expected that friend card to give an immediate alleviation of the problem. There was a problem, but they thought, play the friend card. He is the friend of Christ. He will heal him. But Jesus did not jump to their request because he saw the big picture. We talked about it this morning. I want to reiterate to anyone who was not in here this morning. Jesus is not intimidated by our storms. He is, 
He is the keeper of our tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. He knows where we are today and he knows where we're supposed to be tomorrow. But they were bothered in their finite minds. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't blame them. Sister Stacy, I guarantee you, if you were Mary or Martha, you'd have been upset too. There are some ladies in this room right now that if, it would have, if your brother was Lazarus and he was Jesus' friend and he's fallen sick and he's about to die and then he does die and then Jesus comes strolling into town, I guarantee you would have been there. Where were you? But it was all a part of the plan. And we know that it was a part of the plan. But it is at the death site, the burial site, the tomb site, that we watch something occur that is really about to be miraculous in a unique way that we rarely discuss. But I want to discuss it here tonight. When Jesus walks up to the tomb, he is about to resurrect Lazarus from the... How many know that in this story, Jesus resurrects Lazarus from the dead? How many believes Lazarus was really dead? Raise your hand if you believe Lazarus was really dead. Okay, that's way far the majority in the room. And some people just don't raise your hand no matter what. So we got you. <laughs> I'm right, ain't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I do a poll. Raise your hand on this one. No. Raise your hand on this one. No. Okay. So we got most of you. You really believe that he did die. So by the same show of hands, how many believe that Jesus really did raise him from the dead? He really did. Really did raise him from the dead. So what is a little bit astounding to me and where the Lord won't seem to release me from is why Jesus would have told them to roll the stone away. If you're going to raise him from the dead, I feel like you got the stone covered. <laughs> you ever thought about it? I haven't spent much time until this week. You know you're about to call lies back. Handle the stone yourself. I can see them walking over and they're already frustrated about what's happened. They're already mad that he was not an on-time God even though he was. <laughs> they feel like it's insult to injury. In fact, so much that she speaks up and says, it's been four Days, you could have at least showed up hours later. I might have still had faith you were just running late, but I know how far it is for you to get from where you were to where you were, where you are now. You could have been here quicker than this. I'm irritated, I'm frustrated, I'm hurt. I've got a little bit, I don't want it to be bitterness, but I'm a little bit distraught. I've already told you face to face, I've been honest with you and told you if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And now you want to add insult to injury and look at us and tell us to do the dirty work of moving the stone. If I'm Martha, I'm frustrated too. If that would have been my brother, I would have been upset too. Pastor, you probably shouldn't say it. It's the truth. You would have been too. Not me. I would have just trusted Jesus. God bless him. And she walks towards the tomb and she looks at the tomb. 
insult to injury. Those that are asked, he tells them to roll away the stone. And she begins to plead with him. It's been four days. I wanted you to keep him alive, but let him rest. What was her concern? Surely he stinketh. And Jesus knows, I wanted him dead long enough that nobody could have said he was just taking a good nap. That nobody could have claimed it was a false diagnosis. I don't want anybody to say he was in a coma. I waited four days to get you involved again in something you already thought was over. I'm going to tell you on this Sunday night, God is going to call some of us back to the forefront of things we thought were already over. Ships we thought had already sailed. Ministries we thought had already died. Revivals that we thought were already in the tomb. I'm preaching to somebody. He's going to walk you back to the, and it is not insult to injury. It is the setup for the miraculous. Boy, I feel it right now. And she, she has to walk with that group to the edge of the grave. That's an insulting spot. But how are we going to see miracles if we do not address catastrophes? There are catastrophes everywhere. But you hear me, ladies and gentlemen. He is a miracle-working God. <laughs> He's, I know we're in the Pentecostal church, so I want to see how it goes over if I just say it this way. He's a miracle-working God. He can still heal. He can still save. He can still deliver. He can still resurrect Lazarus. He can still bring them home. He can still touch their mind. He can still save their soul. Oh, they've been in the grave for days. Yeah, but don't forget who just walked up to this I want to flip the script tonight, Brother Oliver. I don't want to be insulted that he asked me. I want to be encouraged that Jesus just asked me to partner in the miraculous. Because when I read this story, I actually find two-thirds of this miracle was on them. He did the resurrecting. They couldn't do that part. But two-thirds of it was on them. Because he said, roll the stone back. Oh, he's He's gonna... Problem is, Martha, his stench don't bother me. Your attitude bothers me. Your attitude smells worse than his. Can I tell you something? Sometimes even when you don't like it, you just gotta do Sometimes, I don't know if they pulled it, the grave off. The, I don't, I'm not trying to be theologically. Anybody that thought it was a big stone that they rolled or they thought they got together and slid it off the bottom of a sepulcher, however you see it in your mind, I'm going to tell you right now, it was dirty work. It was dirty work. And they didn't have the best attitude doing it. Oh, I bet they just loved being. No! They just did it because Jesus said to. You ever done? Now, I know we're supposed to do everything with a good spirit, but sometimes it's hard. 
Don't even understand why he's doing this. Stupid, <laughs> moving, moving stuff. Had me doing this. Oh my God. Got rappers on the floor. Stupid. Can't believe I understand. Got me doing this. And he's sitting back there going. And the whole time I'm reading the text, I'm thinking, you could just tell the stone to move. You don't need Martha. But Martha needs this moment more than she knows. And the people need this moment. He's saying, I'm trying to invite you to be a part of something that you could never experience on your own. I'm trying. I could have done this. Please, watch this. He could have done this while they were at the house. I promise you, this would, this would read just as awesome if Martha and Mary were back in the house and they were having a wonderful supper and in shows Jesus and Lazarus come walking in the door. We'd preach it the same. We would, it'd be resurrection power. We would love it the same. It would be amazing. So why? Because Jesus is calling servants to the forefront of the miracle process. He's calling believers, even when it's tough to believe, and even when it's hard to understand. And I'm going to tell you a word right now. Even when it's frustrating. Because unless, unless we miss it here, I, 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 we, listen, I'd be remiss not to tell you. She was upset, rolling the stone, a part of the process, waiting on her nostrils to fill with the stench of his decaying body. That's a bad moment until Jesus says, thank you. Hey, Lazarus, come forth. Oh, I don't <laughs> What if they hadn't done their job on moving the stone? There would have been resurrection power from God, but there would have been no liberty because of the people. What happens when he says, listen, I'm not, I'm not, forgive me, I'm not actually going to spend a lot of time tonight on the resurrection part. Well, that's weird. Well, just bear with me. What happens when he calls Lazarus forth? You know the story. What happened? Brother Satan, what'd he do? He like got up and comes hopping, bound in grave clothes with a napkin about his face, it's not humorous, but it is humorous. He just resurrected him from the dead. He could have taken that off. I mean, this is, he, okay, I want to, we, we do Bible so much. Sometimes we, I want to just make sure I slow down. He was dead. Now he's not. Some of you missed it. <laughs> he was dead. Bodies decaying. Four days. He wasn't in a real nice coffin. He's in a hole in the ground. Sisters already know that he's beginning to smell. He's on his way to compost. And Jesus stepped to the edge of a grave that now has an opening. Here's my question. Does he really have an opening to speak to some things in our life yet? Have we been? Or do we still have a stone of frustration in place? 
How long have I been frustrated so I refuse to roll the stone even though I know he's asked me to get back into prayer about the ministry and I know he's asked me to... But I refuse to roll the stone because I already know that ministry's dead. I already... But now he steps to the edge of that because the stone, as frustrating as it was for them, they rolled it away because he said to roll it away. He stepped to the edge. He called him forth. And Brother Staten, as our witness, has said he did, in fact, come forth. And then Jesus says, now you got to, I want to see the sister's eyes in this moment. Up until this moment, all we know is a body came hopping out of there. But he's about to put it on them to reveal that the miracle is the right miracle. I want you, I want you to make sure that this is not just an imposter. But this is, in fact, the Lazarus we prayed for. So he looks at them. Here it is. The last of our verses. Verse 44. He that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, his face bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them. Ladies and gentlemen, it's odd to me until I really think through it that he looked at them. And said, now you loose him. And you let him go. The Lord told me in a time of prayer and studying the scripture. We have people that are ready for resurrection. But we have people that will not loose them into their calling. I promise you right now. I'm not going to keep bound who he has delivered. I refuse to let us keep I'm going to let that pause for a minute. I know this is the part where I stop and I begin to shout a little bit. I'm going to leave that right there for a second because there are people all over this room right now that God is resurrecting some things in your life and I'm going to tell you right now, no one else has the right to keep you bound when God is resurrecting some things in your... He's calling your ministry up out of the grave. He's calling your... I can't get away from that tonight. He's calling who you were always meant to be up out of the grave tonight. And you're walking forth. You're hopping forth. You're bound and you got a napkin about your face. And here's what he does. Now he looks at the believers and says, loose them and let him go. Who wants to touch a guy who's been dead for four days? Ministry's a dirty process. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't want it, I want it. I want to be all kinds of connected to people whose lives look like they were over and ministries look like they were dead and, and callings look like they were staying in the grave. But Jesus has walked to the edge of the grave and said, Lazarus, come forth. And then... Here's what he's doing, Brother Turner. He's looking at you at IBC and saying, now take the napkin off of them and let them go. Brother Oliver, he's looking at you in Greenwood and saying, take the napkin off their face. I know that some people thought they'd never amount to much, but I've called them to Greenwood for such a time as this. Take the napkin off their face. Get them unbound. Brother Sizemore can, be, can have a revival church. Sister Collins... 
You're getting kids right now and having experiences that some people in this world would give up on. They'd call them the, a statistic that they can never be anything. And yet you've watched already this year them laid out in the spirit in chapels. What are we supposed to do? I tell you what we're supposed to do, ministry. We're supposed to loose them and let them go. Loose them and let them go. Let those young people testify. It was Jesus who saved me. Let those young adults get up in the microphone and begin to preach that they were lost and on their way to hell. But God saved them and called them to a Bible Loose them and let them go. Be seated, please. I brought some character witnesses tonight. Not that Jesus needs any. Sister Collins, I've asked each of them to take just a couple of minutes and share something that's happened recently in their respective area of ministry. So Sister Collins, you're the first on the stand here today. I would like for you to speak to this uh, congregation, and I would like you to be a character witness on behalf of Christ in something you've witnessed recently. On August 26th of this year, about two weeks into the school year, about a month ago, um, we were having a normal chapel, um, 8.30 in the morning with our, our little kids, kindergarten through fifth grade. And as we tried to close, Brother Matthews, our campus pastor, preached a wonderful message, and those students began to raise their hands and we tried to close because that's what we do. We close and we go back, to, go back to class. But the Lord stopped both of us and he began to move into that chapel. And children who are too young to read began to lift their hands and have tears run down their face as the Lord began to touch them. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed for over an hour until it got to the time where our secondary chapel, our middle and high school kids, were gonna be coming in for their chapel at 10 o'clock. And when those students came in, those high school and middle school students, they could have stood back and said, you know, that's for the little kids. But instead, they began to weave themselves into those rows and they began to lay hands on the kids. They began to pray with them. And our students began to encourage each other and began to minister to each other. And the Lord did a great work that day. And I'm here to bear witness that God still moves in schools and in the hearts of our children. And I'm so thankful for what God can do. Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm gonna step out on a limb right here, okay? I'm gonna step out on a limb. We got secular school teachers in this room. For me, I've lost track. I've taught hundreds of kids Bible studies in secular schools, not just in our. I believe we can have a move of God, not just in our Christian school. I know I don't have everybody yet. I think the Holy Ghost can break out in homeroom. I think the Holy Ghost can break out in study hall. I think we can have a P7 club. Oh, that can't happen. Yes, it can. Get the napkin off their face. You young people hear me right now. You can have a move of God. Loose them and let them let go. You may be seated. You may be seated. Brother Sizemore, Camby. 
Canby's in the middle. We know that they sold that building. We're looking for a building right now. I'm going to tell you right now, he should not have given me the report today that he gave me today because they're supposed to be scrambling and discouraged and trying to find a church and overwhelmed. But this is the report he gave me today. I said, I want you to tell the whole church. Today we had 43 in service today and, and six first time visitors there with us today. And God moved. God moved. How many people in Camby? 30,000. 30,000 in the whole surrounding area. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. They need to be loosed. They need to be loosed and they need to be let go. Pastor, why, 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 why would we get excited about 43 people? Heaven gets excited about. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just a couple of weeks ago, I got a call. Pastor said that we'd been, we'd sold, they'd sold the building from us, so we're looking for something else to do or somewhere else to rent. I got a call from a, a man for, that is a part of the Quaker congregation, uh, and he called me, and, and we've just been taking hit after hit. I feel like that every time we go in there, we're met with some type of opposition. Stan calls me and he says, hey, I'm, I'm over here moving a lot of stuff out of the church. I figured that he was going to give me the what for. I thought he was going to give it to me. He begins talking to me and he said, hey, I've been a member of this, this Quaker church for the last 70 years. I've been on the district. I've been on the committee for decades. He asked me, he said, have you found a building yet? I said, no, Stan, I haven't found a building yet. I said, do you know of one? He chuckled and he said, no. But he said, I want to go on record right now and tell you, when you find a building, my family and my nine-year-old grandson are coming with you. If just one, it makes all the frustration worth it. It makes all the heartache worth it. It makes all the trouble worth it. When just one comes to the knowledge, when Stan is baptized in Jesus' name, when Nancy is baptized Woo! in Jesus' name, we will rejoice. That can't happen. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Oh, that won't happen. He's been in the grave for four days. Don't you tell Jesus what he can do. I got a character witness. I got a character witness. Some of you don't recognize what kind of miracle that is. I hadn't heard that. Some of you... You gotta forgive me for a minute. You got, oh, we praise the name of the Lord. Let's take a minute and praise Him. Come on, let's take a minute and praise Him. Woo! Somebody shout amen. My God, I can't wait for the call when He's filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Man, I feel, I feel unction on me right now, Brother Sizemore. I want you to lift your hands. They've been looking for a building. And I know you feel like the sisters, Lazarus is dying. I feel a word from God. He's setting something up. Let it be done in the
it be in the name of the Lord. Somebody said, loose him and let him go. Be seated, be seated, be seated. Brother Oliver, I need, I need my next character witness. To this. Haven't even been with us very long, still trying to get back and forth. Some people would want you to be discouraged by the fact you've got to try to get back and forth. I know you, you ain't discouraged at all. Tell us, tell us what happened. I just want the report. I want them to, you're getting live time, breaking news, coming to you fresh. We've been here seven weeks, and uh, we haven't had a Sunday go by where we didn't have fresh faces coming in the door. We've had visitors every single Sunday, and today, today, we were, I was preaching, and the Holy Ghost began to fall, and I gave an altar call, and there were people that came up that said they wanted to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's a young man that's been struggling in life. I've been trying to get in his ear and tell him that Jesus can make a way. He yeah. began to lift his hands today as God filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. As God gave him the utterance, come on, somebody, God yeah. can still do it. Oh, there's something else. By the way, we began to go through the, the process of salvation, and there were two young men that punched something into their GPS and typed in Calvary Baptist Church, and they showed up at our church on, <laughs> on what they like to call an accident. They decided that they wanted to go down in a watery grave in Jesus' name today. We had two being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. What do you say? I say to Greenwood, loose him and let him go. Brother Oliver, have revival. Have revival. Have re He came. We're in general conference, 15,000 people. We didn't text about it. We didn't try to sync it up. We didn't try to line it up. We're in, and the altar is packed. Thousands of people. I walk over. Here he is. Grab me. Said, I want you to know something. There's revival in Greenwood. There's so I'm telling you, get the napkin off his face. Get the grave clothes off of his body. I know some people have said Greenwood couldn't have revival, but I'm telling you they're wrong. They're wrong. Who Jesus calls forward. Who Jesus calls forward. Now he's calling the body. He's calling the body. He's calling the servants. Okay, I'll do the resurrecting. You put them back in the ministry. You put them into the kingdom. You put them into the kingdom. Loose them. Let them go. Be seated, be seated. One more. Just one more. Last but not least, Brother Turner, share a little word of testimony with us, our Bible college campus pastor. I knew it was a little bit different meeting. I could see my wife in her office. She has a glass door and she was just wiping tears, just steadily wiping tears. And she came in after that meeting and said, I got to tell you this student's story. She was a freshman and she began to share with my wife how she suffered horrible abuse that was hard to even hear, listen to and imagine. She was not apostolic in any connection, but she would go in her closet and she's, her words were Jesus was my only friend. And she'd never been to an apostolic church. And of course, God found her, pulled her into an apostolic church. And she began to have dreams. And it was a, she thought it was just a nondescript dream. It was a hallway that she saw. And she said every time she'd have that dream, if I remember the story right, she said she'd feel the peace of God, that she was in the place that she needed to be. And she, she kind of lived life, forgot about that dream. And 
just worked with her pastor and decided to come to Bible college. And on welcome weekend, she, her words were, she walked in the door and said, I've been here before because she began to see that place that God had showed her in her dream. And God's just been working on it. And there's stories like that all across the campus of Indiana Bible College. Pastor, it was that sermon that you preached when you said that your family might not celebrate you, but we celebrate you. That very day, she had got a nasty message from her brother saying, you're in a cult. We disown you. You've, you've left the family. And she walked in to this building and you preached that. And God spoke to her and said, this is your family now. Because God has a way of finding anybody. I, I shouldn't even know her, but she sat in my office and I've watched God work on her and call her into the ministry and place a burden on her life and, and call her to preach because that's the kind of God I serve. And I'm here to bear witness to that. And the world might not think she can be anything, but Jesus walked to the edge of her grave and said, Hey, come on. I got a spot for you. I got a ministry for you. I'm going to get glory out of your life. Brother Turner, you got to loose those young people and let them go. Now I'm preaching to every mom and every dad and every young person. I'm telling you, there's miracles in the house. There are testimonies in the house. What's my responsibility? Here's my responsibility, to do his work even when it stinks. <laughs> What's your role? Stand with me all over the house. I'm done. I'm done. Don't really know that I want to be, but I'm done. <laughs> What's my job when it doesn't feel very good to my flesh? Just to do whatever the Lord is saying. I don't want my hands on this stone. You better get your hands on the stone if you want to see a resurrection. You be this is hard work. Nobody said kingdom work was easy. Our theme for 2022 has been kingdom work. People have given sacrificially. People have worked their fingers to the bone. People have given tirelessly. And in the middle of it all, hell has tried to stir up some hornet's nests in some people's families and lives and tried to do some things. Why? He doesn't want the kingdom to march forward. And it feels heavy and discouraging and like an insult to injury. I've been living for God too long. I've been too close. Pastor preached I was a friend of God. I can't do this. Why am I... Why are my fingers back on this cold stone? It's too heavy for me. It's too overwhelming for me. It's too discouraging for me. To which I would tell you, if Jesus said do it, you can do it. And there is a resurrection on the other side of this work. You won't be able to do the resurrecting, but you can do the stone rolling. You can't do the resurrecting, but you can do the napkin removal. You can't do the resurrecting, but you can do the grave clothes. Just you can't do the resurrecting, but you can see that brand new member and say, come worship with me. You can't do the resurrecting, but you can look at a young lady and say, God's got more for you than anybody in your family. I brought four witnesses to the stand. 
I could bring, I could bring hundreds of witnesses. I could pass that microphone across this building because I've heard so many testimonies in the last month because at the same time that hell's been trying to disrupt people, it's also in the midst of that that God has been pouring out miracle after miracle after miracle. Brother Chapman, I could put the microphone in your hand tonight, couldn't I? And you could tell what the doctor said to you that it wasn't possible and it shouldn't be. And it... Brother Chapman shouldn't... Come here, Brother Chapman. I'm just going to call a fifth witness to the stand. I know this is out of character. I'm sorry to call you down front. I don't want you to do much. I just want you to kind of walk around. Just kind of walk back and forth a little bit. You ever heard the term dead man walking? Shouldn't be here tonight, should you? Except for the fact that God said, when I step to the edge of the grave, don't you tell me what's possible and don't you tell me what's not possible. I don't want to get so comfortable with the miraculous of God that I look at things like this and I forget it was God who did the work. I don't want to hear testimonies about this young lady and forget it was God who did the work. I don't want to hear about two being baptized in the name of Jesus and one being filled with the Holy Ghost and not recognize that all of heaven said it was God that did that. It was God. Everybody, everybody might not want to. If you want to, I want you to come get as close as you can for a minute. Come get as close as you can for just a minute if you want to. Everybody might not want to. Some might not be able. If you're in the balcony and you want to go to the center, you can. If you're in the back and you want to come to the second aisle and you want to, you can. You can. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Character witnesses are leaving me. It's all right. I'm, I'm just teasing. Go ahead. You did your job very well. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. If it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? I'm so glad. Now, be honest. If you don't know that song, raise your hand. You've never heard that? It's a lot of hands. We're about to teach it to you one more again. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. Yeah. If it had not been, tell me where. Musicians, hold on for a second. I know, I, I know the game. I've got you ready to play. Dun, 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 dun. What key are they? Did you find my key? What key am I in? F, right? I use B flat, F. Sometimes I go to Z and it's odd. Let me, let me show you something. Don't, don't play for just a second. Don't play for just a second. I'm so glad. If it had not been. Where would I be? Let me ask you a question. You think anybody had an organ when Lazarus got up that day? Brother Cunningham, I love it. I mean, I, lo I love it. Brother Huss, those and whatever these little spaceships in front of it, I love the whole. 
<laughs> it looks like a Mars landing. I don't know. But I, I love it. Let me show you something, though. Let me, let me prove something to you. Can you just play I'm so glad the Lord saved me on the drums? Let me hear. <laughs> okay, okay. You know the problem with that? That's like 3,649 different songs too. <laughs> what happens if there's no beat of the drums? Are you still excited that he's... Do you still remember that he said? He saved me. He raised me. He called me out of darkness into his marvelous. Hear me. He resurrects, but the church removes the napkin. He he might have resurrected you, but the church will raise you. He, oh. He might have resurrected you, but the church will help you see better. And the, the church will help people get a new perspective of you. Because you were light before you died. But you're about to be a star after you get resurrected. You read the rest of the story. Everybody wanted to come to Lazarus' house for dinner. Why are you here? Is Lazarus here? We, we heard. I don't think it's, it's... Imagine people that had heard when they first see him. It's real. It's real. I know it's real. I hear some of the elders. That Pentecostal blessing. I know, I know it's real. Some of the young people are like, oh God, help us. Where are we? Where's an elder that knows the song? What, you know the song? It's real, it's real. I know it's real. What is it? That Pentecostal blessing. I know, I know it's real. It's real, it's real. I know it's real. Kids, I want you to learn this. Say, say it's real. One more time. I said it's real, it's real. That's kind of impressive. You're too young to know that, but I'm glad that you do, probably because of who your parents are. You know, there's some things we shouldn't forget. Some things we need to pass on, and I'm not talking about because of the style of the music. I'm talking about because of the truth of the music, the truth of who we are. Singing things like, I'm so glad that the Lord saved me and this Pentecostal blessing. Okay, I'm going to stop that. But I want you, everybody in this room to hear me really clear. 
The reason I've called you to the front right now is because God is calling you to be activated to help get the napkin off of the faces of people that he's about to resurrect. He's called, he is already, and he continues to call prodigals home. I'm asking you to speak life, not, take, not negativity. I'm, hear me right now. When God sends them in our doors, let's not be more concerned with their stench than their story. <clears throat> I preach the hair off that. I know they smell. We're going to have people. Let me, let me tell you right now. If we actually do this right, he's going to send us people that smell like alcohol. And if we're not careful, we're going to want to scoot to another pew because they smell like the world. He just called them out of the... He just called them out of the grave. I don't want to bother anybody. I know, listen, I know I'm being pretty strong right now, but he's probably going to bring people in here that smell like marijuana. <gasps> Why, I never. I hope they do. I hope they do. What did Jesus say? Jesus' first words were, don't leave them like they were. They're not dead any longer. And it is the will of God that people walk in here who have been bound and they still look like death and smell like death. But he gives them to the church and says, okay, take care of it. I'll do the resurrecting. You do the cleaning up. Hold on. I want to talk practical. I don't want to lose this for a second. Men, men in the room. We had a men's night. It was awesome. If you missed the men's night, you missed it. It was awesome. Men, we need some guys to teach some of these young men how to, how to change tires. I'm serious. In 2023, some of the stuff we're setting up, we're going to have days where we teach them how to change oil in cars. We're going to teach our boys how to be men. Why is that important? Why is it important that we do simple things? I'm going to tell you right now. I want to ask a question. Something I try to do. Now, let me just make it as a statement. I'm not going to ask it as a question with any sense of an insult. Every now and then, men, I want you to be willing to give some words of wisdom. Share something of godly wisdom with a young man. Help them. Don't leave them the way they are. Please, let's not get, let them get their education from the teenagers at their school. Or from some, I'm going to say the word. God forgive me if you don't use this word in your house. But some idiot on a website. We got teenagers playing live video games while they're talking. And you think they're talking to another teenager. And they're playing a video game with some 40 year old cussing on the other. We got to be aware of the enemy's devices. Pastor, what does this have to do? I want to get the grave clothes off of them. God is resurrecting this generation to do something. Ladies, when new ladies show up to church, they might need your help. How many know that the world typically dresses different than the... And if we're not careful... If we're not careful, 
we will be ridiculously judgmental rather than releasing and empowering. Everybody hear me. There is one God. There's one God. But it is our job. Somebody said, well, it's, it, it, it's not the church's job to tell people how they should dress. I disagree. It's to help guide and to help direct. I'm not telling you what to wear. Nobody's going nobody's to be crazy about stuff like that. But I do believe that we should be intentional about modesty and distinction of the sexes. I do. A lady said, a, a pastor was telling me, a lady said, well, I don't think it's fair because you talk about ladies wearing dresses. Well, I got a newsflash for you and I want everybody in here to be aware of this. I want you to be aware for the sake of your kids. Mainstream Hollywood actors, males are now starting to wear dresses in the, in the spotlight. And I promise you, you guys better hear me right now. When it starts creeping into your schools for the boys to wear dresses, you better believe that pastor's going to get up and start teaching. How many of us thought we'd never have to, I thought we'd never have to worry about this foolishness. It's nonsense. But you got actors like Brad Pitt going to premieres in a dress and we're supposed to look back and say, oh, well, that's just cool. That's how they, that's ridiculous. Well, you shouldn't say that across the pulpit. Well, I'm going to. I'm going to. Why does it matter? Because we don't want our generation to get resurrected and then still look like they're dead. What good would it have done? Brother Coogan, what good would it have done if Lazarus would have hopped to the forefront of that and they would have all looked at him and said, oh, he's resurrected, let's go eat. And nobody get the grave clothes off of him. But it was the church's, it was the people's responsibility to come alongside and say, I want to be the other part of this miracle. God's going to help us be the hands and feet. Hear me, not judgmental, empowering. Nobody's going to look at Lazarus as soon as he hops forth and says, why do you have that on? Because there probably would have been a pastor that would have said, I need to talk to you. Jesus probably would have said, that's not what I asked you to do. I asked you to be a part of the liberating process. I asked you to be a part of the freedom process. I want you to lift your hands with me right now. He's going to help. He's helping our church right now. And he's helping us through helping our members. Revival in Greenwood. Revival in Canby. Revival in our schools. Revival in CCS. Revival in IBC. Let there be revival at Perry Meridian. Let there be revival, oh God, in New Powell. Let there be revival in everyone in Greenwood School District. Let there be revival in every one of our school districts, oh God. Let there be revival in our homes. Let there be revival in our families. Help us to be your hands to move the stone away. Help us to be your hands to remove the napkin. Help us to be your hands to remove the grave clothes. Help us, oh God, to be a part of this liberating process. God is going to, Brother Massengale, I believe this is a part of church growth. I believe this is a part of the revival. Him strategically putting people close enough to us and then asking us to be a part of the rest of the process.
We're working so hard behind the scenes right now to make sure that we can clearly teach, have an online platform that allows people at any time to clearly see and understand everything we believe and everything we teach so that in case they're not here during a moment of inspiration or during the right series, we have the most professional online platform that any person can open up even in their own home. Brother Brzezinski is helping us get it even onto a platform where people that are in the neighborhood around us while they're surfing through their local, listen, I'm telling you right now, I want them to stumble across it while they're on their Hulu or while they're on their Netflix or while they're, I want them to know that 150 feet away, 200. Lazarus, come forth. Fountain Square. Come forth. I'm done. I'm ending with this, okay? I'm, I'm done. I meant to be done already. We've been working on this parking dilemma. Some people don't understand this. We have this balcony. I sent people up there to pray over a long time ago, but we count our spaces. Some of you have been frustrated. You come and you can't even find a parking space. We have an issue, okay? Our issue is this, and I'm gonna be very open about it. Our issue is this, that if we max out even three people to a vehicle, we can park 1,200 people, okay? Two weeks ago, 1,100 people. See the problem? Zero spaces left at that. Zero spaces. Say, well, pastor, that's a good problem. It is a good problem, and I was lamenting to the Lord a little bit, and here's what I felt like the Lord challenged me back. I was looking at all kinds of strategic plans of how do we bust the students from IBC or how do we get people to ride together or how do we do this or how do we do that? And I felt like the Lord said, you could win your neighborhood. Give me something else. But I felt like the Lord challenged me. We have an entire harvest within walking distance to this campus. We have an entire... Here's what I proclaim. 2023 is going to be a year of harvest that we're about to march into. We're going to finish the last quarter of this year in kingdom work, preparing so that we can reap the harvest that God is giving us. Say, Pastor, you don't have the parking spots. He did not give us a seat that he does not have a soul for. He has got a Lazarus for every single seat. Throw your hands towards heaven if you will.